0: Thank you for listening to Therapy for Guys. My name is Kike Autry, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in Katy, Texas. In this podcast, I want to explore the issues that men stay silent about. Our struggles with anxiety and depression, our relationship issues, obstacles that we face with a diagnosis like ADHD or autism or OCD, and our big existential crises. Those related to spirituality and religion, to larger cultural realities, and to the question of the meaning of life. If you enjoy this podcast and you would like to learn more about me, I would encourage you to check out my website. You can find it at kikeautry.com. That's Q-U-I-Q-U-E-A-U-T-R-E-Y.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect. And as always, remember, continue the conversation. In this week's episode of the podcast, I sit down and speak with Aaron Inkrot. Aaron is the brewmaster at St. Arnold Brewery. St. Arnold's is the oldest craft brewery in Texas. In this episode, we explore a lot of different things. We talk about beer as the liquid of life, we get into the diversity of Houston and how that's reflected in their different beer choices. We explore camaraderie, the symbol of open tables, and the importance of hanging with people that are different from us in this age of polarization. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. Aaron's a wonderful dude. And if you want to reach out, if you have any questions, please feel free to do so. I really think you'll like this week's episode. Thanks, guys. Aaron thank you so much for being a part of this podcast it means so much that you would take the time to just sit with me and have this conversation Uh, happy to yeah I really appreciate that so one of the things I ask you know every guest is to just spend a little bit of time telling me a little bit about themselves so maybe a couple personal details and then maybe telling the listeners kind of where you're at professionally and what your job title is and what you're up to and then we can start the conversation
1: um, my name's Aaron Aaron Inkerot I was born in a small town of Bartlesville, Oklahoma mostly raised there I had a short stint in Clear Lake when I was much younger but a majority of my life was raised in a small town just north of Tulsa okay um, I had a very supportive I still have a very supportive family I have two older sisters and my parents and uh, their I, family is very much a part of my life mm. um, and there's my parents and my sisters are still heavily involved with it. Um, I grew up uh, being involved in school and sports and church and uh, swimming. Right? Swimming, yeah. So I did all the sports growing up, and then as things got as I got older, you start to learn what where you excel in other fields. Sure. Um, so swimming kind of took. Was the noticeable one, especially, especially when puberty hit. As soon as, as, soon as I started growing, I got, I was really good at it. Yeah. It, it, it just, it clicked. Um, during that time, I was also really big into music. I played piano, violin, guitar, and like those were, those were like the two passions: sports and music. I love and that. I during my senior year, I got my, I started getting. Much better at swimming, and I started getting the interest of of universities for uh, recruiting. Okay. And swimming was never 100 percent the passion. It was always it was always music. Um, I had uh, experienced my sophomore year visiting New York City with my orchestra group, and I, as soon as I saw that place, I was like, I have to end up here somehow.
0: Dude, I bet like from like small town Oklahoma to big Holy city New York. Smokes. Culture that was a shop. huge oh, fucking difference. Oh, <laughs> huge,
1: huge difference, and it was just this. Everything is big. It's 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 huge. It, it was amazing, and I, it, I had to be there. So swimming was my tool to get there, mm. and I would I re- I went on a, several recruiting trips to a variety of universities around the country, and I had a stellar. Uh, high school championship meet and that got the attention of a school uh, Rutgers just outside of New York and New Jersey never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> so I, they they got the interest and as soon as I heard that they were 30 minutes from New York I was like I, don't, I was like I told myself I was like I'm going here yeah I'm going here I'm going I'm going and I ended up going and I it was huge culture shock my room I had two roommates in a very and in about a room about this size. Um, one was from San Francisco, the mm. other one was from Queens. Wow. Um, and this small boy from Oklahoma is hanging out with this, it was a culture shock, it was, it was incredible. I'll, I'll preface that, two weeks later, my freshman year, 9-11 happened. And oh, man. being in that environment I felt like an alien just observing the culture around me. My my roommate from Queens was heavily affected by it. He knew several people that died. Being in the, the lecture hall that I was in, um, there were so many people that were affected by it. I'm, I'm going probably longer than... No, this than, is great. Okay. And I love the background. I think it's important. It, I felt like at a very young age I was in this position to just observe Mm. and I think that's kind of how as I've grown older I like to listen more and just hang out and observe people talking and enjoying and being within the circle that that they're in and then and then eventually come in it 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 was incredibly fascinating during that time um, but Eventually, uh, I got a degree in communication and music theory. Um, My whole goal was to get in the music industry and use swimming as a tool to get there. Mm. Um, I was aggressive on internships, like right off the bat. Um, Got started working at a a small, the largest, or the most successful independent record label at the time was known as Windup Records. Oh, I yeah. A, I got an internship there. Wasn't that like Evanescence? Evanescence, Creed, um, Drowning Pool. Oh, yeah. Uh, 12 Stones. Dude, uh, I I'm, loved
0: all those fucking oh, bands. They're, when they're, I was in
1: high school, I'm a couple uh, years probably younger than you. But. Holy shit. <laughs> and I was a guitar nut. I liked, I love playing guitar. And Mark, Mark Tremonti, was a, I was a huge fan of his. So, I hate to stop you, but that's, that's, okay. that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you about. Because...
0: You know, I, I sort of Instagram stalked you and listened to some of the other podcasts you've been on and on navigating the intentional life, which sounds like a podcast your friend produces. Yes,
1: yeah, Justin Copeland. He's a... Justin Copeland, yeah.
0: it's, it's a great podcast. You mentioned that Mark Cremonti had a, a big impact on you, and I was hoping you could say more about that.
1: I don't think people realize how lucky they can be. Mm. We live in such a random world and I think some people don't appreciate that, the success that they experience. I don't want to dilute the talent that people have, but randomness also exists, yeah. and Mark was an individual, and it still is. He is one of the best Instagram followers, I, and just musicians I have privileged to meet and just experience his career. He, one of the most humble musicians I've ever met in All my right. life, and but he people don't right. understand the work he would put into okay. it. Okay. He was never done. You are never done in this world. And he was the epitome of that example of you can always be better. And he was very appreciative of the success that he's experienced. And He's done so many different projects now, and he's he was he was in Creed, and it was it, they were stadium touring all over the oh, world. Yeah, huge, huge success, and and then he starts his own. He starts a smaller project, um, Alter Bridge, and then even does even smaller the Tremonti project. But now he's now he's doing a uh, a charity based album where he's doing a bunch of Sinatra covers. Really, and it's all for charity for for Down syndrome because his 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 daughter was. Was born oh, with it, and I didn't realize he's, that. he's always giving, always giving, and was just every time I ever met with him, hung out with him, was only a handful of times when I was at Windup, but humble, the most humble successful musician I have ever met, and more people need to be like him in all industries. Mm. It's he just knew how lucky he was, and and he didn't let that take take over. Like mm. It, he. I felt like he knows the positive impact he can have, and he just progressed with it. And I, I he. I can't say. I can't say any more about it. He's just such a stellar cat. About I, that. Yeah. He. So. And that thing, like that. That phrase, "You're never done." I don't know where I heard that from, but that's like a big phrase for me. Yeah. What do you, What do you think that means to you? I, I've got kids, I've got a family, I've got deep, I've got great friends, and I think this life is, you, I think when you're in high school, especially, I, I, I think back to that as people, That's like, that's the greatest part of your life, or college, that's the greatest, that's the most fun you're ever going to have in this world. I was like, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, that's
0: bullshit. I if tell my clients really, that
1: every day. <laughs> if you really think that, then life would end right there. Absolutely. But life does not end then. So why would, I hate that phrase, college is the best time you're ever going to have. No.
0: That's a really sad existence if that's true.
1: Yes. It's <laughs> very sad. So I feel that phrase is just every day you should be progressing. Mm. I, I, that whole circle of life, you go through peaks and valleys, peaks, peaks and valleys. And I was like, well, I try to approach it as that you are always going you are progressively going up as long as you continue to learn you continue to love you continue to just be aware of your existence that you should know that you you can always progress i love that and that's where i feel like you're never done yeah when it comes to beer like we can Mm. always make better beer Mm. um and you guys have made some amazing beer. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's we can always improve process. And that, that that has a very mechanical process-oriented mind. But as as a human, you can you can continue to grow and continue to get better. So that's where you're never done. I, I feel like is a big impact. So, yeah. I, when I ride, I cycle a lot. Okay. And there's a a like a Life ID thing is what it's called, and it has your your contacts if you're in an accident. And, um, and then you can put a phrase on the bottom of it. And my, the bottom of mine says you're never done. Mm. So I, I think about that a
0: lot. That was one of the things that I picked up on. I think it's maybe even the title of the episode that you did with your friend on navigating the intentional life was just on the centrality of change. You know, <sighs> Don't I'm, be afraid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I think I mentioned that podcast. is like you see that in high school when you change your yearbooks to get signed and so many people would say never change never Aaron. change yeah never change <laughs> stay the <Aaron>. same <laughs> that's bs that's bullshit change evolve grow it's you have to if, if you don't then you just where when you're young and impressionable you have you have zero blinders and, and if you continue to go through this life and you if you're not willing to change or grow then your blinders just become tunnel vision, and you're not willing to accept anything else, and that that's an unfortunate thing. Mm. Yeah. So.
0: so swimming was really important to you. Then you kind of tap into another passion you had, music. You yeah. got to rub shoulders with some pretty impressive bands.
1: Yeah. W- where'd you go from there? So I I worked in the industry for about... So worked at the record label in New York for about... Three four years. Okay, um, and at that point you're living in New York. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and it it was a great experience, and I got let go from the the label. They were it. They were just transitioning for whatever sure. reasons, so moved in with an, with one of my one of my best friends, uh, Nathan, and we lived in this very small tiny house. <laughs> <laughs> but before tiny houses were cool, yeah, before tiny houses, yeah, for sure. And ended up bartending for a fair amount of time. And ah, interesting. It, I think every human should experience the service industry and understand what it's like to, you know, you know, help people, serve people, and especially when it comes to their food. <laughs> yeah, it 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 garners a, a certain self-respect of how to be polite. Like, people don't know how to be polite, and it's... No, I think we've lost that. Oh, for sure. And I think restaurants is a prime example of where Mm. you can learn to be nice. It's, what is that, what's the movie? Uh, Um, Roadhouse, where it's just like, be nice. Yeah. It's not that hard. Absolutely. You live in a society where it's so much easier to be mean to someone, and when you think it could be, hey, how are you doing? And nowadays
0: on social media, you get so many fucking likes if you're oh, an asshole or yes. rude and, and not
1: so, nice, not kind. And you even get you get chastised for being nice. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, what a fucking pussy being nice to this guy. Absolutely. Like it's, it's just, it's strange. It's so strange. So I went through a hard transition at the age of, I guess, 22, 23. And I had an opportunity. I wanted to get more, I wanted to remove myself from... I still wanted to do music, okay. But I didn't want the record label.
0: It, can I just pause you real quick? When you said you wanted to do music, did you actually want to be like a performer, or just kind of oh, I, produce it and? I loved playing. Okay, so you actually
1: like performing? I, lo- I did, and I still do. But I quickly <laughs> learned that there are a lot better musicians than me. Mm-hmm. But there was not. There wasn't a lot of attention on record producers and recording engineers. Okay, and There's not a lot of schools that teach that. Interesting. It's kind of, you're in that, you're lucky. You're in that moment and you just experience the right position in your life to be in that place to, oh wait, I'm recording this ex-musician and you get, you're, you're successful from it. Sure. So I had an opportunity, I was like, I'll, I'm gonna come home And there's a school that teaches it's a vocational school that taught recording arts and producing and engineering so i was like hey mom mom dad there's a school it's in houston i want to come back and and try this out and see if it works out and so they they were absolutely all for it and so i i went to media tech and learned engineering and uh, record producing and worked with a handful of awesome people with that and i did that for five six years it was a lot of fun but it was a struggle to just make a living um worked odds and end jobs when it came to radio radio studios and waking up at five o'clock in the morning on saturday saturdays and sundays to run a a radio program for you know home and gardening and home improvement and (laughs) but it was an engineering gig i knew how to run the board yeah and, and um but I was always interested in working with musicians and and kind of being the the muse or the mm,
0: I like that category
1: and, and and just you know generate the performance of these of these artists like that was what I was really interested in is what can I do to kind of help them create the sound that they can't mm. vocalize I don't know
0: if this metaphor resonates with you but you know as a therapist. I know that I don't produce the change in people, but I kind of help midwife the process. I I, I get to be an observer and a participant in the ways that they grow and develop. And that's
1: super fucking meaningful to me. I think it has this objective feel to it, like you being the observer. It's not you creating it. No, I'm I'm not creating it. But you get to witness it being made. 100%. Hundred percent. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. know. And, and I.
0: I mean, maybe there's a an analogy with music, but I'm big on creating the space
1: for them oh, to do what they're gonna do. Hundred percent. It's you have to create this vibe that that they're comfortable with, oh, yeah. and whether that's you know putting lush rugs and candles, oh, or or having this specific lotion in the, in, in in the restroom yeah, for them, and yeah. just as soon as they're comfortable, I can only imagine it with you, with your clients. It's like with even with a musician. As soon as they're comfortable, they just they take off the weight and then yes, they can let it go. 100%. And that's when Aaron. that's when the magic happens. Like yes, I said always be recording, OBR. Okay. And and oh, excuse me, ABR. <laughs> and you, it was in those few moments. Being an engineer or producer is it's it's the best. It's the best performance. You are getting to watch the best performers do what they do best. love that. And all you gotta do is set up the microphones and then you just hit the button and you're like, this is amazing. Yeah. But then there's also those instances where people less talented, but... Sure, sure. Then you help them experience how good they can sound. Oh, I like that. And you work with them to kind of develop that sound, But and it kind of comes in all different skills. You have the ultra-talented, those that want to just, they want you to help them record an album that they've always wanted to do, and then there's the others that bring in a CD that's on a two-track, meaning it's a left and right stereo sound, and then they basically perform glorified karaoke, is what I would call it. (laughs) And it's it's like, okay, but 90% of what I did were those two categories. Glorified karaoke, and then a bunch of radio gigs, and then occasionally helping a band like really create something fun and meaningful, and it's only gonna be for their friends and family, and that's great, yeah. that's a lot of fun too. Yeah. But then the one or 2% where you work with these stellar musicians that are just. Mm. Um, but being a, mu- a successful musician is even, it happens with a greater percent than being a successful engineer or producer. That's even far more Got rare. You. Yeah. So during that time, I was always big into beer. Okay. Always into beer. So, so just to kind
0: of like trace the trajectory, go to college, you end up coming back home to, or yeah. at this point home to Houston, Yeah, you, you do this program, and then...
1: In the beer, there's a place in college called Stuff Your Face. It was a okay. Calzone... <laughs> I love was, that name. Yeah, it was a Calzone <laughs> pizza joint where if you drank 50 different beers, you'd get a T-shirt. Nice. And I remember going there with my parents when my senior year and whatnot and like just we would try different beers and my two older my two brother-in-laws they homebrewed a bunch and i knew that that existed Mm. um i worked the pub that i worked at i I bartended at we had our own we had a we contracted with a brewery so a different they were out of state but we had them make an ipa for us and then there was also a small brew pub called uh, harvest moon right across the street so i was aware of making small batch beer and um, you know, serving it only locally. Mm. Um, so I, when I had moved to Houston, here to Houston, I knew there were small breweries, and I would take tours of them. And while I was working in the recording studio, and um, eventually, I was like, I was like, Dad, let's make some beer. Mm. Um, my dad has a PhD in chemistry. Wow. Um, so, and he 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 worked a lot when I was growing up. Traveled a lot. I did not. I would not say I got close with my father until I moved back to Houston and started homebrewing with him. Yeah. So I spent so much time with him just because mm. he he's a very scientific mindset, where I'm a I very bet. much
0: more creative
1: mindset. Okay, okay. And
0: Bringing those two worlds together. Holy
1: smokes. Brewing is that marriage mm. science, creativity. Ooh, it is a marriage that. of both of them. I love that. And understanding. Having that science background, and you can understand that we can be more efficient. We can take advantage of using X, Y ingredients to get this result. And rather than just shooting from the hip from a creative mindset, it's like, oh, I'm just going to fuck with all these different ingredients. Yeah. Hopefully to get my the, the result that I want. Sure. And it's, well, maybe if I just sat and read a little bit mm. and... You know, focus on
0: kind of knew my shit.
1: Yes, I, w- I would. In the in the, re- I would always say RTFM when I was in the recording industry. Read the fucking manual. Yes, and that applies to all <laughs> things in life. Yeah. So just- you, you,
0: you know, I'm starting up to interrupt you, but I often say with like psychotherapy to bring that in. It's this interesting mixture of science and like art. There, 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 there is a lot of like substantial research and science and study involved. We're not just making shit up, and yet we're dealing with fucking people.
1: You're dealing with humans. you are dealing, <laughs> dealing with humans yeah. who don't fit in a box. Correct. It's... Yeah, I I, I, I identify <laughs> with that analogy completely. It's It's... There's a reason why statistics exist. Sure. Because you have both sides of the spectrum, but then where a higher percentage of everything lies. But... You need to realize that you're not always dealing with that yeah. main percentage absolutely you need to realize that there's so many other people that lie outside it and you need to respect you need to respect them all so it I think when it came to that relationship building that relationship with my dad was was really really cool mm. and and you un- know
0: it, it, and it's interesting too because I end up working with a lot of men i mean this podcast is therapy for guys i'm trying to explore some of the things that men kind of stay silent about i think it's interesting how a lot of men may have a difficult kind of relationship with their dads early on but as they as they become adults it can shift yeah and they can kind of see it from a different perspective so that's interesting that that kind
1: of matches your experience well, it- so I had dropped out of chemistry in high school. <laughs> I'm sure he loved that. <laughs> no, I, I think about it a lot. Like, when that happened, I was like, I can't do it, Dad. But now, mm. I'm sure my mom and dad just are just joyous that everything's become full circle. Full circle. And <laughs> I completely see how chemistry affects oh, I bet. what I do. And it... It, it has had a really profound effect having that relationship build. And uh, so I got really into beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the connection that I made between being a recording engineer and, a, and home brewing was I saw this very s- similar experience of being a recording engineer versus being a brewer. I loved playing music. I loved guitar, violin, piano. I loved recording people but the brewer, you get to be the artist and you get to be the engineer. Mm, that's so good. Uh, and I, once I had that epiphany, I, I told my, girlf- my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, that I have to do this. Mm. I have to find a way to make this happen mm. because it was just so fulfilling to finally be an artist but also still be in control of everything that I'm making. And that's when I went hard into how can, the, how can I make this happen. Mm. So then I went down a path of volunteering at a variety of breweries. Okay, and,
0: and at this point you're in Houston?
1: I am in Houston, okay. yeah. I've been in the recording studios here in Houston for a while and I just started volunteering at No Label. I volunteered here and hung out with other home brewers, a bunch, just getting better and better <clears throat> and there is a position uh for to be a tour guide here on Saturdays okay. and Sundays. Yeah. So I took it. Dude, you have a great voice, by the way. <laughs> I could totally see that. <laughs> oh, I, I can get loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely get loud. Um, but it I really enjoyed it and it's like you know, being a tour guide, you get to teach and you get to be, you get to share. It's it's so much better if you have a passion behind mm-hmm. it, and people can recognize the passion. Yeah. So if you have an ability of to, you know, exude that, and then it, they'll, 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 you can suck them in. And so I did that for a year and a half, and there was a there was an opportunity to there was a job opening for a brewer. I had known Brock, the owner. I'd known several other guys here that were brewers. And I had, I just had that position to kind of, I interviewed with the head brewer at the time and they, uh I'm like, yeah, Aaron, you're, you're hired. Wow. So um, that's, that's a, almost 11 years ago. Okay, okay, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and time continues to flash by faster and faster the older I get. So, okay. Uh, and, and, and now you're the brew master. What before. What exactly does that mean?
0: What what do, what do you do?
1: I have an uncomfortable position with that phrase. I know okay. that's my title. Uh, Brewmaster implies that you're in control of something. Mm. Bro, Mas- you're the master. Yeah. <laughs> so, a brewer technically doesn't make beer. Okay. They make they make wort, w-o-r-t, an unfermentable sugary liquid. Mm. Yeast, a living organism, single-cell organism, is responsible for producing beer. So I am a, I always a harbinger or a yeast wrangler. I, I provide an environment for yeast to create the product that we're hoping for. Dude, you're a midwife. I I, I don't know if yeah, that resonates so I, with you, I, but... I heard that You mentioned that <laughs> analogy earlier. So I, like, I, I am providing an environment for the yeast to produce the product that we want. Mm. And having the term brewmaster... Master implies like you're in control of it. No, I just give it a home mm. and I let it. As long as I keep these variables within a certain range, it'll produce a consistent product each time. Yeah, yeah. So, so like a farmer, you can yeah. cultivate. Well, I'm a little bit more in control of things downstairs than okay. I am the weather. Okay. Um, so farmers, I would say, have it much more difficult. Um, but at my position now, I I have a team of. Fourteen people um, that range from shift brewers, so people that rotate shifts to to create beer and filter beer. Um, I have a, a team of lead guys that kind of oversee that production, ensure that everything's operating based off of our standard operating procedures. I've got a I've got a uh, a guy that maintains like is focused on maintenance and ensuring that everything's running properly. Yeah. If something gets shut down, then we know we can fix it quickly and efficiently. Um, I've got a guy that oversees all of those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Colin, he's a huge talent to kind of allow to, he oversees all of that stuff, and that allows me to work with sales and marketing to kind of have an an overview of where we can take the company. Um, I have three people in the lab that ensure all of our quality assurance and control is, I don't have to worry about it, so they take care of it. They're really talented at statistics and coding, and so that they've developed the software that I can just (laughs) load up on my computer, type in a variety of different variables to see where they plot out, and it's there instantly. Mm. So we track almost 200 different variables from brew to filter to tasting, and we, we have all that information at the snap of our fingers. Yeah. So it, kind of going back to that creativity and science, it's like having data available can, it helps you understand things rather yes. than assuming things. Yes. And we, we are too much of a culture that's willing to assume rather than to look into things. Yeah.
0: So I love that, so if that hits at more the science side, in your role as brewmaster, how do you get to sort of live out or embody that creativity that's really important to you
1: since your earliest days? I am still a creative guy. Okay. That's, that's me.
0: Okay. Can you say more about that?
1: Yeah. Um, oh. I am aware of where, I feel like one of my strongest suits is knowing my weakest points. Mm. I dropped out of chemistry, but I am aware, I am excited when someone's passionate about you know things that I'm weak at. Because mm. I think being a creative person, you understand what it is to be passionate about certain things. And that isn't to say that someone who's excited about chemistry or biology can't be passionate. Clearly, sure. they clearly they are. I think that's an, a human nature to identify something that you feel strongly about. Absolutely. I think that's what that's the nature of being human is to feel is to have strong feelings about something and to and to strive to be to be better about it. Yes. And so, I love hearing people get excited. About anything that they're passionate about, because mm. I feel like I can take what talents that they have and understand how that can affect what I'm really passionate about, and see where that tree grows. Yeah, like how 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 much of that umbrella of the of the limbs? How big can it get? And I, I guess I miss. I do miss some aspects of just sitting on the brew deck and playing around with 10 gallons like a home brewer yeah and just fucking around yeah fucking around experimenting I miss that for sure <laughs> but that isn't to say I have that opportunity but it's only within a very small amount sure sure and it's only a small group of people that get to try it so in, and that I mean it's more people that get to try it, get to try it now than my homebrews but I definitely don't have the time like I used to sure. to just to fuck around yeah. right? and make mistakes. Yeah, you know.
0: Um. So one of the things you said that kind of resonated with me, thinking about my role as a psychotherapist, you said I have an understanding of my of my flaws. I know you didn't use that word, but but my, my weaknesses. One of the things I tell my guys is it's important to know who you are. It may be more important to know who you're not. I think
1: that's the big key of me as I've been growing older. And I think that's a big thing about being a manager is okay. understanding your weakness. Yeah. Say more because, about that. Oh, because there are guys so much better at, <laughs> at that are on my team than what I can do. Sure. So I think that's a big thing about growing in life is like realizing who's better at something so that they can also help you grow. And I, to me, I think that's a really easy concept to try to understand. It's like, hey, this person's really talented; they can do this better than me. Yeah. Hey, let's push them along and 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 help grow help grow them as an individual, but also help the company as well. Sure, like sure. that.
0: So, Aaron, could you speak to this? One of the, one of the things I talk about in my practice in this podcast is what I call like male bullshit, which is kind of this competitiveness and really this like egotism. That, that they know that dominate. Yeah, like as men, and I hate to like just stereotype and overgeneralize, but it tends to be true in my like experience that we have these huge fucking egos, and we don't want to either delegate or admit that this other person can do things that we can't, when, when in reality that is the case. So how, how do you get kind of out of your ego, out of yourself, and into that place of being like a good manager that you're talking about? Uh, listening. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's so basic
1: but like, so yeah, true. I mean, what you true. No do, no right. It's what I do all fucking day. <laughs> yeah. You what is it? Ninety percent of ninety five percent of the time is you you just listen? Yeah. and, and occasionally do uh-huh,
0: yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're not falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Try not to that's why I have my coffee. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So Although I should it, have some Saint Arnold brewery beer, but I'm not sure my my uh That would
1: probably not be condoned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I, it's so much, I think the ego thing is, I mean, I've worked with people who have egos and Mm. they're always wanting you to see their opinion. Oh God, that's so true. Your opinion is not always right. Shut up and listen. (laughs) So, dude, drop the mic. (laughs) shut up and listen and i know i feel like i have an understanding of what my weaknesses are mm. and that's why i i've been a huge part of the hiring process here mm. for a long time and we have we like any industry you're going to have turnover of course and i i would i'll humbly say that we see a little bit more turnover than i would like mm. but the position is not an it's it's a difficult one it affects your wor- you have to rotate shifts it's very labor intensive it's a job that you have to be passionate about i can teach anybody how to brew okay i can teach anybody how to work on that system mm. but you have to be passionate about what you're making to actually want to continue doing it yeah it it's a hard, it's a hard life. And I don't, it's no one, well, I think the conversation of living to work and working to live mm. comes in this conversation. And okay. I don't, when you own a business, or if you, if you're really passionate about something, living to work is sometimes seen as a, seen as a negative, mm. And, but I'm very passionate about what I do I live in I, every time I wake up I think about beer I, I, I really enjoy sharing it I love the community aspect of it I love doing beer beer dinners and going out to tastings and beer has this ability to I mean it's the oldest thing that would bring communities and cultures together was 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 beer or Absolutely. some some fermentation product to begin with yeah, and yeah. I want to get
0: to that. Just to ask yeah, a question for you about that, but
1: but I think trying to understand the life of a brewer and and trying to get a team that's strongly passionate that's hard to find, and that's I mean unfortunately that's how turnover happens. But there are the team that we have now of senior guys is they're very passionate about it, and it's they there's a a breadth of talent of where mm-hmm. they cover, mm-hmm. and I think that's why we continue to get better here. Sure, sure. And, you know, I know this
0: sounds a little bit like off topic, but one of the things that makes me think of is last night I got a call from my son and he's 12 and he was like, Dad, like, you know, what'd you do today? And, and he sort of joked, let me guess, you just worked all day. And I sort of kind of joked back, yeah, I just worked all day. But I was like, you know what? I was like, working for me, as difficult as it is, is super meaningful and enjoyable. Like, I guess as a man, as, as a young boy, I, I want him to know that if he can find work that's connected to his passion, yeah. it's worth giving your your heart and your soul and your mind to. It's, it's fucking meaningful.
1: It's, it's important. We all want to... F- this life is not... You're not supposed to be the, the best brewer. You're not supposed to be the best therapist. Right. You're not supposed to... You're not supposed to be the best at something. You're supposed to, I feel, just to to do good, be a good person, and help others do the same. Mm. And because as soon as you strive to just focus on one thing, then I feel like that's where those blinders come involved. You're ignoring people around you. Absolutely. And that's not what it you can't ignore. You can't ignore you can't ignore people. And I feel like as soon as you want to be the best at something, then you start ignoring people. That's really good. You can't do that. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So, okay, let me ask you this. So in the podcast um, with your friend, Navigating the Intentional Life, you described beer in a way that I thought was very powerful, but you didn't elaborate on it. So I wanted to kind of ask you about this. You referred to beer as the liquid of
1: life. Okay. What
0: the hell do you mean by that? Because I love that.
1: No, I gotta try to retrace my footsteps about <laughs> what we were talking about. So Liquid of Life, it it brought communities together. Yeah. It really did. To thrive as a civilization, dating back I mean, some some history buff is going to correct me. I'm sure. Sure. But, uh, yeah. But for Let's go back to Egypt. So that's that's a prime example. There is evidence of fermented grain mm. that had alcohol. Yeah. There wasn't an, an understanding of the effect that it had on you or how it created this sensation. Sure, sure. Inebriation. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but and it was low alcohol then. It was not not in the terms of alcohol that we see today, but still it Alcohol has an an effect to where it loosens, you know, inhibitions to a negative effect but also positive effect. But it has this right. ability to just bring people together. Mm. And this is something when you reached out to me about wanting to do this, it's like I really want to talk about how, you know, alcohol can have an effect on too much, too little, or yeah. none at all. And it, it can... Obviously too much has a severe negative effect. Sure. Sure. There are 8,000 breweries in the country now. Wow. You look at civiliz- you look like countries like Germany. It is a it is ingrained in their DNA. Mm. And you just go to, you know, a beer garden in Munich or outside in Berlin or, or anywhere. It's 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 what you do. It's like going to Chili's and you just have a beer. I, that's just what beer breweries are like over there. Especially not even just Germany. Just in Europe alone, it's those those countries are had such a historical significance of how beer was ingrained in their society that it's just a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, <clears throat> I guess beer is a liquid of life. It's it 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 builds community, and we are a product of it. Absolutely. We we. Seventy-five percent of our volume is sold here in the city of Houston, mm. and I think moving to where we are now, downtown Houston, is is we can create this kind of, you know, main artery of uh, of beer in the city that just people, you know, congregate mm. and they they get excited to meet others and meet strangers and meet friends and family, and it, it's again it. it Alcohol has that ability to just slightly lower inhibitions, obviously drastically lower at times, but sure, sure. we're human and um, but it has that ability to you know become jovial and you know open up maybe a little bit more than you would be willing to absolutely and i don't see I don't see a negative in that yeah and, uh, what I guess what we can learn from it is the result from it is remember what you discussed and and how. And what that opened up for you. you know? Yeah,
0: no, I like that. So one of the titles <coughs> of this episode that I've been thinking about is The Liquid of Life, Beer, and Camaraderie. Because that was, that was a phrase that you used in this awesome Instagram video um, highlighting some of the things you guys are doing here at St. Arnold's. And, you know, as I, as I thought about that word, I kind of had to look it up to kind of really get the, the right definition. And I found that it's about mutual trust and friendship among people who spend a lot of time together. And, uh, you know, one of the things I say in this podcast, I don't want to get political kind of in a partisan way, but I do want to highlight that I think we're so fucking polarized. We're these a rubber days. band.
1: Yeah. That's so stretched. When is it going to
0: snap? I don't feel like we have camaraderie anymore. Oh, it. Oh. Could you speak to that and, and how St. Arnold's and how beer could be maybe. And again, I'm big on not wanting to be idealistic or utopic, but how maybe beer and St. Oliver could serve as a way to help us experience more of that camaraderie in a time of deep we division. Get
1: all aspects of you know, beliefs next door. I bet you do in Houston. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's, not only is it a, a huge energy capital of the world, but it's this huge cultural diversity. There's, oh, Yeah. One thing I loved about New York was that it was that cultural shock of diversity, and then that, now I'm in Houston and it's just as diverse as New York, if not more so. So this, you know, polarizing views of of where we at where we're at is it goes back. What were we talking? Horse blinders. No one is looking beyond the blinders. They're always. They're trying to convince others that their belief is right rather than listening to others.
0: Mm, Go back to that listening. No
1: one is listening. Mm. And I think what's great about the Beard Garden is it it is a place to, to meet friends and friends to bring, to introduce their friends to other people. And it has this ability to, you know, bring people together. Like one thing that I loved about you know you know visiting germany or going to all these breweries that have different beers is just it's like meeting a new person and someone who's passionate about making that beer gets to describe why they made it this way it's like why can't people you know do the same when it comes to you know different aspects in life of why they believe this or why they believe that we're always saying Shh, no you should think like this no you should sh- sh- sh-. no don't shush just just listen mm. and I think the garden and beer in general has this ability to just kind of foster that, you know, that growth yeah, and, and that possibility. Um, I don't know if I went on a tangent.
0: No, there no, no, not, no. So, so to, to, I often do this in the podcast. I'm kind of a nerd. I like some of the research. Have you ever come across the political scientist Robert Putnam?
1: I know of him.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so back in, I think it was 2000. He published a book called Bowling Alone, and it was based on, if I'm not mistaken, 25 years of research where he interviewed almost 500,000 different people and sort of the thesis of the book was...
1: He actually interviewed 500,000 yeah, people? Yes,
0: it was incredible. A half a million people. A half a million people. And, and I think his team and everything. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but kind I'm of like... like yeah, people are, people, are, that, that, that. That, that, that's a lot of fucking people, right? A lot of time. No, but it's this huge project, and he kind of publishes this book where he basically argues that our civic ties, our, even, even our civility, going back to just basic human kindness, has kind of eroded over time. And we've experienced what he called the loss of social capital. And for him, social capital is this idea of the benefits that we receive from being embedded in these social networks. And so what I wanted to do, if you don't mind, is to kind of read this quote from yes. the website that kind of documents some of the research and just have you riff on sure. what you think about it and maybe how St. Arnold's and how beer in general can maybe speak to this. So... He's, he's kind of giving an example of, of what social capital and the loss of social capital looks like. He says, When a group of neighbors informally keep an eye on one another's homes, that's social capital in action. When a tightly knit community of Hasidic Jews, for example, trade diamonds without having to test each gem for purity, that's social capital in action. Barn raising on the frontier was social capital in action. And so too are email exchanges among members of a cancer support group. Social capital can be found in friendship networks, neighborhoods, churches, schools, bridge clubs, civic associations, and even bars. And here's where I thought about St. Arnold's. The motto in Cheers, where everybody knows your name, captures one important aspect of social capital. So, not to say it's all reducible to this category, but when I think about the polarization of our nation, this is super like sensitive for me at the moment thinking about the recent, you know, school shooting in Uvalde when I think about the isolation that so many of my male clients experience, I think about the erosion of these civic sort of social bonds. Uh,
1: something I mentioned in that the probably the Instagram video you saw was we are nothing without each other.
0: Yes, yes,
1: that that really spoke to me when you said that. So, uh, do you want to be coloring with a gray and black crayon your entire life? I would not. <laughs> that that seems sort of easy, but do you want to be fucking dim- boring? Do you want to be two dimensional? <laughs> no. I think what's so beautiful about this world is the di- is the diversity that exists. Mm. The opinions, the cultures, the religion, the spirituality is that it's every single part of this world has created something unique in its way. And I don't understand why we can't just observe, learn and grow. Mm. We we live in this this concept that no, they need to understand that our way is better instead of how can we work together to make everything better. Yeah. <laughs> I could be a, that might seem, what's the, what's the right phrase for that? Um, that might seem, um, I can't remember. Like overly that, naive? Yeah. I don't, I don't believe naive. that it is. I, I don't care who you worship. I don't care. It's, are you hurting someone? Right. Then you shouldn't probably be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the litmus test. Are you hurting yourself? You probably shouldn't be doing that either. Yeah. Um, but uh, that phrase I always try to exude in myself and in my kids is, you are nothing with without others. Yeah. How long can you survive on your own? Mm. You can't. Not for not, not no. that long. No, God, no. You would. We're not an island. You're not. It's more rewarding and enjoyable to share it than to keep it all yourself. So I. Yeah.
0: Man, and I think it really goes back to what you were saying before—just the power of listening. Man, I feel like we've forgotten that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I probably spend too much time on social media like so many other people, and I get so pissed off and saddened by how we beat up on each other and just talk past each other for our own political agendas, wherever you are on the fucking spectrum. Yeah. You're not listening. We're not, I, I'm not listening enough. I'm waiting for you to
1: say something that I agree with. Yeah, yeah like this it's that's what we are like we're uh, it it's not your way or the highway it's it, it has to be it has to be together and we're not willing to do that it we're not i don't want to get political on any of this but yeah it, we're a country that is just it's we haven't learned anything. <laughs> mm. And uh, I think we have a lot to learn by just sitting down at a table like we are now and drinking a beer. And But I don't think anybody's willing to do that anymore, unfortunately, mm. which is sad because this is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. We're missing discourse.
0: Yes. Conversation. I mean, yeah. I'm always talking about continue the conversation as a way of just extending some of these ideas into the world and sitting face to face with someone and listening and being receptive and engaging in this dialogue. It's transformative, I I think.
1: What do, here's a question for you. What do we have to gain by only communicating with people that we agree with?
0: I think nothing because at that point we don't learn anything new and we don't change.
1: Yeah. You don't change. You don't grow. You don't go. You don't. You you, you don't grow.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, and and if I'm honest, I have that sort of impulse within me. I understand some of the, you know, psychological research around certain biases and and I want to be in an in-group and that feels safe and, and I want to belong and all of that, but I'm not interested in just safety I'm, I'm interested in being a be decent challenged. human being. I want to be challenged. I want to fucking grow. Yeah. I, and I want to be a good person, not in a moralistic sense where I'm better than others, but but I want to connect with something outside of myself that's lasting and meaningful. There's
1: a Pearl Jam song.
0: Ooh, I'm going a, back to Pearl Jam.
1: <laughs> um, my old roommate Nathan would be mad at me for not remembering the name of it, name of the <laughs> song, but I know the I know the lyrics. I'm sure I'll get a comment about it. <laughs> it was I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong or right, but I know what's good and bad, mm. and I think that's clearly based on whatever law or moralistic, you know, what's written in the law or whatever is clearly not good and bad, but they feel that it's right at the moment. Yeah, and yeah. but it. I think we as humans can understand on a, a traditional level that we yeah. know what's good and bad. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so. So, so maybe, maybe we, we can kind of like end kind of on, on this sort of score, this note. Um, at one level in this podcast, I do end up bringing up sort of realities around religion and spirituality, not to reduce anyone to one particular stream or to say that you have to be religious or spiritual, but it's interesting to me that St. Arnold's is, is, is about a saint, right? Yeah. There is sort of this religious, spiritual dimension. And I'm just curious from your perspective what that's about and what that might say to us.
1: I think religion has a very powerful influence to bring people together of like beliefs. Yeah. And there's, I think that's a beautiful thing. I was raised religious. Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to it currently, whether I'm... I'm sorry, mom and dad, but, uh, I,
0: <laughs> you're forgiven,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love them dearly and I know they love me dearly. And, um, but I think what's important to know is that a religion can provide a certain sense of, you know, moral ethical values and whether the, the, the wrong turns it may make are purely based on the humans that f- are running it. Yeah. And we need to understand that humans make mistakes and, uh, but in terms of Saint Arnold, he was a a true living person, and uh, what was it, 600 A.D. Um, uh, back in Metz, France, and he he was during that time people would drink water and they would die from dysentery and shit yeah. like that by yeah. literally consuming shit water. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and but beer, going back on liquid of life, you you would. Beer you boil, you sterilize it so it's safe to drink. And they didn't know at the time that yeast, this uh, natural yeast within the environment would help ferment and create this delicious liquid that make, made them feel you know, slightly euphoric. And the more they drank, you're even more euphoric. And uh, so St. Arnold said, don't drink water because you're going to die. You should drink beer instead. And he became a very popular person. Mm, um, I love that. Drink beer instead of water. So. One of
0: my favorite uh, figures in, like, the history of Christianity, and like, Irish Christianity, there's this female, actually, which, which I think is important. Her name was St. Brigid, and uh, she would work with, like, the poor, and she served in, like, this community of lepers. And as, as the mythology kind of developed, it was said that she followed in kind of her Savior's footstep, not in converting water to wine, but turning water into beer. Okay. And so, for some of the same reasons, right? It sounds like, like
1: the wine lobbyist got in there and said, Jesus.
0: Exactly.
1: And that's why wine Exactly. Is
0: my- <laughs> no, no, she has this great fucking prayer or poem where she says, you know, I want to devote this entire lake of beer to my God. And I'm like, hell yes. yes. That's yes, the please. God I want to be a yes. part of, is the one that's going to have a whole lake of beer devoted to him. So... No, but, it, but it, you know, all joking aside, I, I just love that concept of beer as the liquid of life because as we think about this idea of our social capital being eroded, I, I wonder if beer and places like St. Arnold can be a space, can be a reality where we maybe reconnect some of those threads and experience greater connection with I, each other.
1: I have found... A lot of beautiful people and connections that I've made next door and all over the, I've been fortunate to go all, I've been able to travel internationally to, to meet people and whatever personal views, I don't care. It, it, we have this ability to just connect and discuss, you know, how delicious a beer is, how beautiful where we're sitting is or the food that we're eating and Does it have to get more complicated than that? I I don't understand why it does. Yeah, uh, I love that. um, (laughs) It doesn't seem that hard to me, but apparently Mm. it's really hard for some people. Yeah. I I don't know.
0: Aaron, thank you so much for being a part of my podcast. I really had a good time. I'm I'm even hoping that you'll be open to maybe another conversation in the future. Ah,
1: this is... (laughs) This is fun for me.
0: It, it is for me, too. That's, that's why I started it. I, I, I didn't need to. I've got a busy fucking job in life, but, <laughs> but this is one of the ways that I experience community over deep conversation and amazing beer. I'm drinking wow. a St. Arnold Art Car
1: IPA at the moment. so I'm, This was an easy yes for me. Okay, so, man, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: So I guess but, in, in, in the final moments... If someone wants to learn more about St. Arnold's or even you in particular, how do they kind of connect?
1: How do they, yeah, how do they uh, reach out? We are located downtown Houston. Um, our website is saintarnold.com it's spelled, Saint spelled out, S-A-I-N-T-A-R-N-O-L-D.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's my name, Aaron Inkrod.
0: Yeah, you've, you've got a great Instagram. I've really enjoyed following yeah,
1: you. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I post mostly about beer in St. Arnold, but there's going to be fluttered with my family and kids. That's and, some good stuff, too. And, and traveling and whatnot. Yeah. But,
0: uh, I'm on Twitter,
1: too. Same handle. But, yeah, please come to the Garden. Have a beer. At, and if you are, if you're listening to this and you want to have a beer at the Garden, uh, tweet or uh, Instagram or whatever. I don't know what the terminology is, but hit me up and be happy to have a beer. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Thank you again for listening to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Let's try to connect. Reach out to me. You can go to my website at Q-U-I-Q-U-E-A-U-T-R-E-Y.com or you can Google my name, Kike Autry on Google and there you'll find my Facebook and Instagram accounts. If you would like to schedule an appointment, you can go to my website or you can go to the website of the practice that I serve at Katie Teen and familycounseling.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Please share my content and remember, continue the conversation.